Uh, I had a question. Uh, I, uh, uh, yes. Yeah? Ask away. Oh, the question is, did you go to prom? Yeah. Well, you went to prom again today, I guess, too, in a way. Um, you are correct, sir. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Richard. Welcome to Daily Chit Chat. Join us every weekday as we talk about what's streaming, what we're loving, where we're going, and maybe some obscure references. Let's Let's chit chat. I guess I wanted to start the podcast off a little awkward. Because that fit the motif. Oh, I thought this was a promposal. Actually, now that I think about it, I'm dancing crazy. I'm tapping too. I'm doing flips and handstands. Will you go to prom with me? I would have been happy with a box of chocolates, but sure. No need to do a themed promposal after all. <laughs> Richard, you've seen me in my actual prom dress. Don't you remember? We have photographic evidence. I dressed up in a fully new and complete thrifted uniform for the occasion. And you were a showstopper. You, you, oh my gosh, everybody. Richard had this, he was wearing shorts, but they were so on trend. And then he had a bow tie. And then... It was it was a plaid jacket, like a velvet plaid. It was amazing. And then you were wearing your cute, um, thick plastic framed glasses. Oh, man. Oh, it was an ensemble. And I, you were the talk of the town. It was definitely curated from many a thrift store. And it all fit together so perfectly. Like Gretchen said, it really felt like it belonged together Mm -hmm. and um that's just to to be said it can be compared to this movie you know belonging being belonging together also why why not though do what gretchen did and wear the exact same dress that you wore (laughs) why not hold on to your dress for 20 years (laughs) And then just for a random improv prom. But I, but... Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I held on to it because my mom made it oh. for me. And it's it really is a, a beautifully made dress. And um I've always tended to appreciate classic looks and classic styles. So in my opinion, it still looked Great. I feel like I could have worn that to any event and people really wouldn't have like given me a double take like they thought it was some some old time rock and roll dress. Oh, agreed. I actually saw you wearing it. And when you told me the truth of its historical value, I was like, no, this looks like something you could have gotten from any old store today. And yet that's the beauty of something that was made for you, too. And Luckily, in your case, it still fits exactly the same and it looked great. So that's a 10 out of 10 from me. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah. Thanks, Richard. No, it's a fun dress to wear. I can't wait until we can have uh, big fun parties again. And oh, yeah. maybe I won't wait for a special occasion. Oh, yeah. You probably won't. The special occasion will be we can go out in public. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to wear it to Applebee's. Applebee's. Oh, oh, that was a that was a ref, a hot ref. Yeah. Yeah, prom shines a light on the little-known restaurant, Applebee's. Yeah, and I guess they paid the bills for the musical and the film. (laughs) So in case you haven't picked up on it, we're talking about the prom, not just any old prom. We're talking about the prom from 2020. It's on Netflix. It's a musical. It's based on the Broadway show that was out, was it two years ago? Yeah, exactly. Richard, you saw it on Broadway, is that correct? I, I saw it on Broadway. So I would like to know how does it compare this movie version versus the stage show? So I have thoughts. I will only give some of those thoughts now, but as we talk about it, let me give more thoughts as we go. But I will say... I think this musical would have would have attracted certain aspects of your liking, which were the, the choreography, or which is the choreography? I don't know how to say that. The choreography would strike your fancy because the dancing is so hot and so good and so many moves, and that is exactly the same. So in comparative to seeing it live and seeing it in the film, same choreography feels, and I... Uh, of course, filming the choreography is different than watching it live, but at least it captured that feel of seeing it live. So that compares. All of the cast members are different. So we could talk about that as we go. And then the story and musical numbers remain pretty much exactly the same. So Ryan Murphy, the sto- as the story goes, he was just an audience member going to see the prom on Broadway. He watched it. And at the end of the play, he was like, I want Meryl Streep. I want James Corden. I want Nicole Kidman. I want Andrew Reynolds. But he kind of knew he was like casting it with Hollywood actors as he was watching it live. And then he bought bought the movie right, right after he was done watching that show. So basically... The prom didn't have a tour, a Broadway tour, and it closed shortly after the Tony Awards, and they didn't need to continue the live show of the prom because the movie was going to be made very shortly. So that's how that all happened. So Ryan Murphy, from the get-go, wanted James Corden in it? I mean, this is the question of the hour, Gretchen. This is the question of the year. It's like, I get it. Maybe maybe James Corden has been the Broadway slash Hollywood slash talk show host crossover fiend or fiasco. He was in Cats. He was in Into the Woods, even with Meryl Streep. So there's history there. But why? Why is he getting every single job of that genre, of that type? It, it boggles my mind. What did you think as someone who hasn't even seen the Broadway show. Uh, so I went to press play on Netflix and I saw that this movie is over two hours long and I did not understand 
how that was going to play out. Why a movie musical produced in our year of 2020 would be over two hours long. Uh, I had also read little things here and there about people not exactly tickled that James Corden played this character or more specifically the way that he portrayed a gay man. I read some things about people saying he kind of pulled on some tropes or stereotypes of how a gay man would be, you know, expressing himself. And, um, and then also people are like, there's so many gay guys who are talented uh, performers. Why, why did they pick James Corden to be in it? And right. And there's Hollywood Broadway crossover people more than just him. Yeah. Like we have Billy Porter and we have Nathan Lane and we have other people that do movies and do Broadway and they're known entities. So even if your excuse was, well, I needed a big name, there are other big names even. And I think we've talked about this on our show before, but James Corden is hardly a big name. It's not... I, I think even if if you could get away with saying like, well, it's Hugh Jackman, mm, another yeah. Oh, yeah. person who is known for being a, a powerhouse in the box office, on screen, and also on the stage. So you could you could even justify, but because it's to me, James Corden is not a huge, yeah, a huge enough name. And if you do have Meryl Streep. And Nicole Kidman, then you can kind because of, it's like Andrew Rainales is like famous enough, but he's hardly a international celebrity, right? Well, and then people were saying you should have given Andrew Reynolds the role of the out and proud gay guy. James could have been the you know nondescript Juilliard graduate, like right. It, it's never about Andrew Reynolds being gay or not in the film. So that could have been a perfect spot for James Gordon, not being gay or straight or being ambiguous either way. Just being a Juilliard grad. Yeah. Jul- <laughs> That's really what he says. <laughs> Big flex. It was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, did you say Juilliard? Yeah. <laughs> but I think maybe more abhorrent to the gay portrayal of James Gordon might have been for me, his accent, American accent. Mm. Mm-hmm. I didn't really buy it at all. Yeah, I I didn't know what was going on. Nicole Kidman had a great American accent. Yeah, she usually does. I mean, she's been doing it for a lot of years. And then James shows up on the set. He's like, I am a Broadway star and I deserve my name in lights. And I was like, oh, it's so labored. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make fun of him, but they're speech people and um, accent coaches. Maybe it's revenge for Dick Van Dyke's British accent in Mary Poppins. That's fair. James Corden has been holding that. that grudge since Mary Poppins. And he's like, yeah. one day I'm going to do a terrible American accent. That'll show him. That'll show him. So since we are on the subject of casting, the the role of Nicole Kidman playing uh, in the film it was played by a real Broadway dancer that was uh, in the same age group. So someone who's okay. 
So she could actually do that Chicago style number, kicking her legs way up in the air, doing all this dance moves. So it showcased her talents more than Nicole Kidman having to pretend to be someone who was a dancer. So Uh, there's that. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that number is not as overwhelming in the movie as it is on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, And James Corden plays, I would say, less flamboyant than the Broadway star. But the Broadway star was kind of playing a version of himself who's wildly flamboyant, which is okay when that's you. And I think maybe James Corden was trying to tone down his gay portrayal, but in doing so, maybe even came off more offensive than if he was doing something over the top. Like, it just didn't come off right. Something was off. So everybody that starred in prom, were they just playing versions of themselves? Yeah, the it, the play was written with these these cast members in mind, and they were playing um, exaggerated versions of themselves. Is prom written by the same people that did that show that where the people play themselves? Are you talking about the Drowsy Chaperone? No, no. I did a song from it once as a performance piece. I'm stuck in a show where I am playing me. Oh. And it's it's a very meta show. It's just two men I and two women. I do know that one. It's title of show. That you're title of show. Of. Yeah. In in brackets, title of show. I was, <laughs> you just saying that made me yeah, think of title, title of, of show. show. Like, oh, is this is a trend that was going on of, of uh, we're just going to write a show that is not just inspired by the talents of our friends. We'll just literally have them play. Yes. A slightly exaggerated version of themselves. Yeah, I can't. I can't be sure if they're related to that production or not. But I do know that the creative people worked on the Drowsy Chaperone back in 2006, which was originally written as a bachelor party, stag party show for Bob Martin and Janet Vandergraaff for being married. And in the show, Drowsy Chaperone, the People getting married in the show are named Robert Martin and Janet Vandergraaff. So it's like very meta, that show. So this show kind of reminds me of that. And the lady who played the Drowsy Chaperone is the girl who plays Dee Dee, which I will say, of course, Dee Dee on Broadway, played by Beth Level, is a thousand percent the best. She's great. She's a Broadway diva for the ages and belted those tunes live eight shows a week and was amazing. Meryl Streep did a great job portraying Dee Dee. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a great performance. And I was surprised that she rose to the level of Broadway star Beth Level to do it with her own little flair. It wasn't a copycat performance. She sang the songs pretty similarly to Beth Level, but with a Meryl Streep vibe. And then the character was honest and very Meryl. And (laughs) I would almost say she was playing Meryl Streep, but like over the top as if, I'm Meryl Streep, but I know I'm Meryl Streep and I'm really popular and people love me. And she did a good job. So I want to say that she was probably my favorite. What do you have against Meryl Streep? No, she was playing a version of herself that was pompous. I think in real life, she's not pompous. You know who is really the star of this whole thing? Of this show? Yes. Emma? Is Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, not Emma. No, Keegan-Michael Key does not play Emma. You're right. Keegan-Michael Key plays the principal. I understand how you could get them confused. <laughs> I do like Keegan-Michael Key, and I do like him playing the principal. But go on. 
I just I challenge anybody to show me something that Keegan Michael Key is bad in, even if it's a a bad show or a bad movie overall. I will bet that Keegan Michael Key's performance is always going to be amazing because mm. I had mixed feelings watching this, but every time I saw Keegan Michael Key. I thought that guy always just brings such warmth and honesty to every performance. And he's very talented as a singer and he's got some moves. So every time he was on screen, I was happy. But also, yeah, the younger the younger actress that plays Emma, I thought she was great, too. She's a great uh, she's a fresh young talent of 2020. She literally is. She came on the scene during the year of pandemic, so good on her. Yeah, I thought she she was a great actor and singer and really um, had a, a task to try to hold the same space as all of these well-established other actors, and she was there every time. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought she had a, a wonderful performance. Also, Mary Kay Place as her grandmother. I love Mary Kay Place. So what a treat to see her. Yeah, that was very nice. There was a few cameos like her and Tracy, Tracy Ullman being in the cast were just delightful, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, my only complaint, nothing against um, the new Emma, but um, Ryan Murphy also made a choice when he was casting this film that was not to invite anyone from the original Broadway cast to audition. He didn't want to see any of them, which that's way harsh time that happened. And yet the original Emma on Broadway said Ryan Murphy, she probably typed it up in a letter or her agent called Ryan Murphy's agent. I don't know how this went down, but she specially requested an audition to continue playing the role that she did originate on Broadway and in many workshops. And when the Broadway show was being developed, she put her heart, soul and life into the character, which happens on Broadway all the time. You build a character and sometimes you let it go. Sometimes you don't. Well, it's so early in the process. Like they had just been on Broadway for maybe a year and the show's already closed. And she felt like she had a lot to bring to the table as this character of Emma. And she auditioned and it was a no for for Ryan Murphy. But at least he allowed her to audition. But that made me sad. So even though I like the new girl, I will be comparing her to the original Broadway Emma. And my complaint is when you're when you're casting someone that's an unknown, right? You and I don't want to be shallow and I don't want to be mean. And I don't want to be anti-shallow either. I, I just want everyone to live their lives and live in a space and not be judged. But I'm going to throw a little shade on Ryan Murphy. You've got a, a really skinny, 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 pretty, pretty, pretty blonde haired girl to play Emma of all the people. Not not a average looking person. I don't I don't I don't think her hair is blonde. It, it's yeah. like dirty blonde. Oh, so you think she's a little too polished, a little too polished and not like a small town girl from Indiana? Yeah. And I feel like her, even her outfits were like 
thrift store chic, but like Aeropostale, not Aeropostale. Oh, why do I always get that store confused? <laughs> it's not Aeropostale that I'm thinking of. It's I, I the... thought it was pronounced Aeropostale. Oh, I'm talking about the store that has all the unique um, art pieces in it and it sells clothes. What one's that? Fridays. Yes, it was all the flair on mm-hmm. their outfits. Mm-hmm. Looks like she got all her outfits from a higher end meant to look like I bought it at a thrift store, but it was definitely $200 per clothing item. Too. Now I'm trying to figure out what store you're talking about. Free people? It's, it's, I think it starts with an A, and that's why I always say, oh, anthropology. Oh, anthropology. Doesn't that make sense? Didn't it kind of, I don't know. Maybe I don't shop. Uh, no, that's a great, that's very apt. And also her room and anthropology also sells home items. So we get to see Emma's room, the house that she lives in, her grandmother's house. I love that as a set. Very cozy craftsman with great details with uh, the the built-in yeah. the built-in furniture on the walls and the living room has that like it's not post and beam, but it has like this cool like a grid thing going on on the ceiling. Emma's room is as cute as can be. She's got a like a wall decal mural thing going on and an mm-hmm. applique rainbow hanging over her bed. So yeah, her whole aesthetic is anthropology. That's perfect, Richard. Thank you. I'm glad we finally landed on it. But you're saying that the Broadway one was a little more was a little more real. Yeah, and I don't real midwestern girl yeah she she was of course 1000 percent beautiful and also that's the problem right is she's she's so beautiful and gorgeous but she just looked more authentically re- real that that's a good word for it real whereas this one is like a very cookie cutter i'm the lead of a movie and i'm always going to play the lead of a movie but the other girl didn't get cast, and I feel like that's a problem. Okay. I am thinking about back... I, nothing against Joe jo, Ellen Pellman. Is her name Joe Ellen Pellman? Jo- I, don't, I don't know what anybody's names are. I really don't care about this movie. Oh, yeah. Go on. That's a good place to go from. Uh, I thought this movie was way too long. I forgot about all the songs as soon as they finished. I think that as much as Ryan Murphy developed a unique style shooting the high school-based TV show Glee, and that was a really fun and engaging style as the audience member watching this, I was bored for a lot of this. Things just took too long. The the two mean girls that really do the bullying of Emma and uh, from the student side, I could not pick them mm-hmm. out of the lineup. I was like, how can you kind of be starring in a movie and yet the camera never like holds on your face? It's like there were all of these just like either you could see the two mean girls and they were like in a wide shot or it, the camera just like glossed over their face so quickly. Yeah. Their costumes uh, that they were wearing, it, you know, costumers have a lot of power and it all melts together with like art direction. You know, we, we, right. we can understand that, right. That there's like a color palette 
and you think about how everybody works together in the color palette, but then your main characters are going to, especially for musical, your main characters are going to pop. And usually that's accomplished in the, the color palette or something like they're wearing sequins, like something that like catches the light more. Uh, their outfits that they right. wore continually just blended into the background. Um, so I, I, it's like, wow, those poor girls probably were so excited that they got to like, they're like, sure, we're playing the mean girls, but that's fine. That's acting. Sometimes you're the protagonist. Sometimes you're the antagonist. And they probably were so excited that they were like, we're going to get, you know, 45 minutes of screen time in this over two hour movie. And um, there was like nothing special done that made them jump out as the mean girls other than just they said mean words and did mean things but i have no clue what they actually look like other than one had blonde hair and one had dark hair right and i have no idea what they look like either and then that brings up my my point and your point combined are other than the fact that emma comes out as being gay they're picking on someone who could very well just be one of the gang of pretty people in that school there's really nothing setting her apart aesthetically. And that could have been an issue, you know, like why you, why you got to make fun of her? Like why you got to hate her so badly? And I know this is loosely based on a true story. Like I think it's, I think it's called homophobia. <laughs> it is homophobia. And I know it's, I don't know why people, I don't know why people hate other people. I can't, I can't reason. I can't fathom. I can't it. reason that one through, but I that's the thing that we have to suspend the the disbelief is that and and yeah I found myself getting really mad and then being like of course that doesn't exist why would that happen I'm like nope this is based on a true story yeah. and it's not the only time where a small town or a community would literally cancel prom then let someone that they perceive as othered or different uh, they would literally cancel an event or do something where then they cancel it and then hold a private event prom that's, you know, on private property and it's invite only. Like, it's happened. You can even trace it back to, like, the roots of private schools, which that's a way bigger conversation than uh, we're having at this moment. But sadly, history shows us that people hate other people for yeah um very stupid reasons and if you are a compassionate person it's hard to wrap your mind around it right and i i sympathize and empathize with this plot on on broadway i remember crying at several poignant lines just because i think it was hitting me in a place that was very personal so like when Emma gets rejected and she shows up to a place where there's literally no people there and she's all alone and she feels all alone, that hit hard. And she said um, that this wasn't, you know, the, the, the prom or the dance was, oh, this night, I think it was this night belongs to them. This night doesn't belong to me. And that hit me hard. And then when I watched the movie, it just reminded me of watching it on Broadway and feeling just so emotional. And I think it was a personal thing where I'm like, oh, I've been Emma before and it's terrible and I hate it. And so for that message, I'm happy for, but you're right, there's a lot of fluff and it's a, a weird dichotomy to have people who are 
very self-interested, kind of using this as a PR stunt to help somebody, but then later it does rub off on them in a good way. It's a kind of a cute story, but it has problems probably meshing all together. And like you said, I think I would have different feelings if I saw this live. My my beef yeah. is more just like this this movie treatment of it. Maybe uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. They just didn't cut anything from the show and it did work pretty well on stage and I was satisfied with my experience and the only way I could enjoy the movie now was just remembering the show that I had watched. So they probably needed to retool it for an audience like you, like specifically. <laughs> for my unique wants and needs. I want more MGM musical yeah, or less MTV music video. Or or RKO musical. You know, we're coming down the pike to an RKO classic that I never even knew about. I'm just pitching. Up. If you never even knew about it, is it a classic, Richard? Yeah, that's a story for tomorrow. Story for a latter day, if you will. Is there a Mormon connection with this? Well, I was quoting the Broadway musical, The Book of Mormon. Because of Andrew Reynolds? Yes, he's connected in this movie, and therefore, by the transitive property, it's all related. Well, then I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own connection and say that is so cute. Because of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yeah, I I. I recognize the the voice. Well, I've been told I do a, a terrible Cartman impression, so I always have to give that disclaimer. Uh... Fair. Oh. Okay. Well, this is this has really gotten off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch of celebrities storming into a PTA meeting. Oh, that was a funny scene, even out of context. Yeah, I did like that scene. I thought that was great. Um, so YouTube that scene. Meryl Streep really held down the fort. She did. She really did. Um, this is available on Netflix. Um, like and subscribe. Tweet at us. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Bye.